This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. I am Canadian, and don't you dare try to pigeonhole me into a political party. I am not a liberal. I am not a conservative. I am not PPC. I am not NDP. I am Canadian. I am not a French Canadian. I'm not a European Canadian. I am Canadian. And as a Canadian first and everything else afterwards, I will no longer accept people pissing on me and telling me it's raining. We must choose the lesser of the evils. No, that is incorrect. That is how we got in this mess. Um, to deny one evil uh, and uh, accept another makes us all accomplice. The bottom line of reality is, and this is where the pissing on me and telling me it's raining, is that the Conservatives will save Canada. They will not save Canada because the biggest elephant in the room that makes me an absolute political orphan, along with a significant portion of Canadians who are Canada first, is the fact that every single establishment party has signed on to these UNSDA, Paris Accords, Migration Compacts, all of these agreements that are nothing more than public-private partnerships dragging us further and further into the fascist hellhole being orchestrated by unelected foreign entities in Geneva and Davos and Brussels. You know the gang, the World Economic Forum, Fourth Reich. They have co-opted, hijacked, infiltrated... So if we penetrate the cabinets... Every cornerstone establishment agency in Canada that is re registered as a corporation, whether it's the courts, the pharma... ...that it had secretly accessed location data for 33 million mobile devices to monitor the movement of Canadians during COVID-19. That number represents roughly 87% of the population who were spied on without any knowledge that the government was accessing their data. The health care, the uh, policing, and uh, pretty much most every significant establishment party are all involved in public-private partnerships, which by definition is fascism. I think public-private partnerships, given our audience, have to be at the heart of this. So anybody that screams to me that Pierre will save us, I demand answers from Pierre. Fire away. You denounced the world economic Yes. Yes. Do you denounce the UN Sustainable Development Agenda, the SDGs? I haven't read it, so I don't know what it is. You haven't read it? No, I haven't. Will he remove the fascism from Canada? And if he says anything but yes to that, he is equally uh, accomplice to destroying Canada as the Liberal Party. It's too easy to hate one party, join their the opposing cult, and demand the lesser of two evils. No, Canadians must stand for Canada first. Canadians must demand a removal of all of these public-private partnerships that cede control and power and authority to unelected foreign entities. And unfortunately, the elephant in the room is nobody wants to admit who has signed on to those agreements without our consent.
right there we are welcome ladies and gentlemen to truth warrior i'm your host david whitehead and i am super excited about today's show my guest wayne peters joins me from some unknown location in canada and uh we are here to talk about the plight of canada the future of canada what the hell's going on what's with all the division uh and so many more subjects it's my first time interviewing wayne you can go and check out his great work over at whatsupcanada.org just to get a fresh perspective on things. And that's what I'm all about here. So Wayne, thank you so much for joining me here on Truth Warrior, man. Well, thanks for having me, David. It's a, a privilege and an honor. Oh, well, it's the same with me. I always love speaking to uh, gentlemen like yourself who've been around for a long time in this country, been looking at these problems, who are educated to the degree that you are, as we saw in that clip. And guys, that's only the first, what, like two and a half minutes from a 15 minute, uh, epic rant that you did the other day on your X channel. And I just loved it. I shared it out and I thought, Hey, it, it really just inspired me to say, okay, I've, I've been talking to a lot of different people. I feel like so many of these different clans or groups in Canada that are forming, um, ever since maybe the freedom convoy or even before are all in agreement about much of the problem, although there's differences there as well, but we are tearing each other apart over what is the solution. And you know, not everybody listening in might even agree with your take or my take, but that's okay. We can agree on these things to the degree that we want to, but in the end, it's about what is the truth? What is the facts? Where are we at? Who really is responsible for the decay of this nation? Is it all just to be blamed on Trudeau? Is it, uh, you know, is the swamp deep and wide in Canada as it is elsewhere? Is this only a Canadian issue? I think we get stuck in the mud there where a lot of Canadians think, this is just a Canadian politics issue that we just need to solve by voting in the right guy. I feel like there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, these are just some of the things that your little speech did to me and made me think. And I went, okay, I got to have Wayne on. Let's talk about it. Canadian men, get the audience involved and try to hash this out. So uh, Wayne, maybe before we get into those subjects, give us a little sketch about you and your story. You know, were you born and raised in Canada? What's your Canadian history here? And what inspired you to make What's Up Canada and get involved with this research that you're doing? You know, uh, it's kind of a, a, a bit of an unusual story. And you put me on the spot because one of the things I hate most is talking about myself because there is absolutely nothing special about me. Um, I, I grew up uh, born and raised in northern Alberta. Uh, I, you know, I, I did a life sentence in the oil patch, uh, you know, uh, 25 years there, um, primarily fire and rescue. Uh, I, I did a stint in the reserves before I went to uh, the oil patch. Um, and and I, I, I had started, you know, really really becoming demoralized about my own country, what I saw happening. And I went to Europe in 2015 and I saw what was happening there and the lies that were being told about it here in Canada and North America. And I had all but given up hope on Canada actually dragging itself out of the mess that it was in. And uh, um, this sounds funny to, to, to say, you know, that the last five years um, seems like an eternity. But when I started on this journey five years ago, uh, down podcasting, there really weren't any podcasters in, in Canada. I think there was primarily Dan Dix, uh, uh, Press for Truth, and Faith yep. Goldie at the time were about the only ones that um, had been doing any any of that kind of thing. And uh, I was pushed and pushed and pushed to take part in the 2019 convoy that went to Ottawa. And that was life-changing for me. As much as 
Everybody experienced the 2022 convoy and it was life-changing and epic for them. That same process happened in 2019 at a much smaller scale, which I think uh, played a huge part in what happened in 2022. Because when I, when I went on that convoy in 2019, I was asked to go simply to document it. And um, I was one of the early adopters of live streaming, creating platforms, that kind of thing. And that's what, after 20 years of being in, in uh, media, marketing, uh, full stack development, that kind of thing, uh, that was my wheelhouse uh, kind of thing. So that trip I spent uh, teaching everybody how to live stream, how to use hashtags, how do you, you know, to use these tools called social media. Um, and, and over the course of that uh, first two-week convoy, I think it was it, for 72 hours straight, the United We Roll hashtag was the number one search hashtag in the world. We were being streamed in 170 different nations. And uh, everybody on the convoy, you know, we'd get shut down on a social media platform and there'd be two more streams and there'd be two more. So we played this whack-a-mole game that literally had the whole world watching what was going on in Canada, but nobody in Canada was seeing it. Uh, nobody in the, in the States was seeing it. You know, that was my first inkling at how deep the censorship already was in Canada. And uh, so that I, I, I was, when I came back from there, um, it uh, was was life altering for me. I uh, fired all of my clients in my marketing agency. I didn't even, uh, close, didn't even close the doors. I just walked away from it and uh, decided to just uh, chase the the voices of Canadians and, and, and to give people that were unheard a chance to speak um to bring subjects to light that nobody else wanted to to touch um including you know the alternative media as, as we know it um i didn't feel we're being incredibly representative of, of the actual facts of, of what people were were talking about and there was a very a very broad disconnect in, in Canada as to what the problems are, where they were originating from, um, that we're all facing in Canada. So it was like, okay, even a rock could do better than this. I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I don't have a life. I may as well do this because if not me, then who? I couldn't expect people to, uh, you know, endanger or threaten their livelihoods or those kinds of things. So that's kind of what started me uh, down the path of this. And then um, over a period of time, it just became uh, um, more of a, every time they would slap me with a censorship or a label or something, I just developed this real here, hold my beer uh, attitude. And uh, it was like, no, I will live free. I will speak freely and I will not settle for the lesser of two evils. And that really started me down, you know, a path of discovery about politics in Canada because I mean I'd known about a lot of the problem problems where they originated from they weren't originating from Canada but I didn't understand the infiltration of our Canadian government um, and from that point our, our global government because I, I mean I'd seen similar things happening in other countries and and whatnot and, uh, so it was really a an evolution and a journey with the people and that was kind of always been it for for me um, I never did this with the intent of, of uh, uh, creating a business or a platform although that was you know what I had spent years doing for other people that was not my my uh, my purpose in, in doing this and, and so that was this was really just trying to to give a a, a pigeonhole of, of a 
of a space for people to say the things that nobody else would give them the, the uh, a chance or or a place to speak from and uh, to be a kind of a a barrier between you know to provide a, a you know a, a sense of of security you know people could stand behind my platform to say what they needed to say that they didn't need to go and build a platform if they didn't want to um it, it was about you know getting people on the same page of understanding that was kind of where it all started for for me oh a brilliant breakdown and uh it's awesome that you pointed out the 2019 convoy a lot of people forget about that i even forget about that from time to time and it's it's weird how it was very successful and it, there wasn't coverage even in the alternative media there wasn't that much um so it's it's amazing to think of where we've come to to this point and also the fact that you you know went in and used your skills from doing this professionally into making it uh, you know something where you can get the truth out and, and get the information out to people which is phenomenal now the one aspect that might trigger people as they're watching is you're not here promoting one of the parties, one of the political parties no. where everybody's trying to say, and like, as you say, pigeonhole everybody into there's only one solution. It has to be this. It has to be that. Um, I've been more favorable to a lot of the PPC platform, especially locally. But in the end, I'm like you. I look at this as this is way bigger. I'm just trying to see what, uh, where, where's the best options? Where should we be putting our resources? And I love the message you had where you just said, I'm not a French Canadian. I'm not this kind of Canadian. I'm not a liberal, a conservative, a PPC. I am just Canadian. And we've gotten so far away from that. I mean, that used to be one of the running advertisements for Canadian beer forever was I am Canadian. They, they kind of piggybacked off an older sentiment that used to exist in Canada. And then they used it for marketing beer, but it was still sort of the sentiment. And when I grew up, I was born in Alberta raised in Ontario, then Saskatchewan. And I've been all over, I've got family all over the country. And, you know, the vibe was always, we're just Canadian. We're all, we have different backgrounds. We have different opinions. Uh, you know, we have different races that are here. We have different cultures that are here, but we're Canadian. Like we were uniting around this idea, which is what you need if you're going to have a free society that isn't going to be just butchering each other constantly. And we've moved away because of the divisive nature of politics the media is also a, a massive factor in that and now i'm really starting to feel this in the alternative media where the alternative media is starting to become very similar to the mainstream media in the way that they're trying to divide people more and more and more it's also getting very negative and i wanted your take on those points as well as this sort of and i feel it from canadians i feel it sometimes as well i don't know how you feel about this but a lot of people are feeling very hopeless about things. And so they're just leeching, they're jumping on to whatever bandwagon is the most appealing and they're putting their camp there. And then they're just, you know, not listening to anybody else that has a different opinion, which I think is ultimately negative. So what's your overall take on this political division, how it's crept into the alternative media space, and then how it's affecting Canadians, just average Canadians, where everybody's kind of getting very doom and gloomish here, when we need the other type of mindset, if we're going to pull out a victory and save this country well you, you know that that little rant was, was born from the same place that 
every Canadian has, and that's extreme frustration. And uh, we, we we live in a time where we are so inundated with uh, the, the the programming, the the fear, the terrorism by our own state, the establishments, and all of those things that uh, people don't have the energy or the time or the ability and uh, uh, to to do the necessary level of 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 information gathering to make educated decisions. And this has been preyed upon by the establishment and the, the media mercenaries. I will not call them mainstream media. They are mercenaries. They are hired assassins. They assassinate characters. They assassinate anybody in the avatar universe that doesn't uh, come into complete alignment with them. And the frustration from that video came from literally that same mindset and behavior. And it didn't, it doesn't seem to matter which political party it comes from. You get that same mindset mindset, whether it's the PPC followers, the conservative followers, the liberal followers, it's become very tribal and, and very vitriolic. And it's very much, uh, if you're not putting on my pom-poms, you are automatically the enemy. How dare you ask a question? We have to give them a chance. And, and these are the kinds of things that bore up my frustration in, in, in I think, um, and that's kind of what I was speaking to is the frustration of the uh, what is it, 61% that don't vote anymore? Uh, and I was just trying to give a voice to that because there is no uh, a political solution for people that have been able to access enough information to understand the corruption and the problems that we actually face. The infiltration just isn't Trudeau and Trudeau's cabinet. Um, these are things that it took me years to to learn, uh, at, you know, and, and years, literally years to learn. And people just don't have that kind of time to invest in learning that you know and and it doesn't mean that i'm against the some of the people in some of these parties i am not i like some of them um i, I i've had conversations with max i like max but i would not uh, expect him i i do not want him as a leader of canada um he's had his own controversies and scandals and questions that are foreboding to be asked and and the instant those kinds of things start to come in to play, you're taking away your credibility. You're no longer seeking my vote. You are canceling my vote when you won't answer my questions. And these are the things I think that have led us down to this path where we see this minute window of uh, lesser evil, and that must be the, the safe spot. And this weaponization of the perception of safety has us all running around like these little tribal uh, uh, useful idiots saying, if you're not doing this, you are the enemy instead of us meeting at the table and having a discussion. Why does the PPC not have an open leadership debate? Why is it that nobody in Canada knows a, a, a single PPC candidate other than Max? Uh, why is it that if Max has you know, attempted three elect federal election cycles and a couple of parachute-ins, uh, why is he still the leader when it's quite obvious that nobody in Canada wants to give him a seat and yet I am supposed to bow to your, uh, uh, your pressure that if I ask a question in the public space, I am automatically the enemy and I am supporting uh, Max, uh, 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 Pierre Polyev when that could not be further from the truth. And this is the, the part that I actually was the impetus for that uh, that little rant, you know, was that nobody wants to answer questions. You brought up a little clip there in, in the, the intro about Pierre absolutely, you know, pretending not to know what the UNSDA is. Bull 
Pucky. Yeah. His name is signed on the dotted line. If his name is on the dotted line and he doesn't know anything about it, he does not. He is unfit for office. And these are the questions that, that we should be asking. We should be demanding answers to. And we are not. We are being berated and badgered into uh, choosing what somebody else deems as the lesser of the evils when we should be demanding that they who provides the most support for what we the people want not who is going to hurt the people the least so that was you know in essence what that what that rant was all about um you know and that's not to be picking on max or the ppc but the the, the end of the day it, it, it's what is realistic and what is practical max does not have the runway or the time for another three or four or ten years of, of election cycles to grow a party that is substantial enough to defeat if we're going to play this uh, election charade game he is not going to have uh, an opportunity for a decade and Sorry, folks, Canada is long gone in the distant memory banks in 10 years from now if we don't do something about this now. So addressing, we can spend our time continuing to address the symptoms or we can get focused in understanding what the causes are. That's, you know. You make a powerful argument there. And I, I don't even know where I could sit there and go, oh, I disagree with that because this is the feeling that I get. And I look at it and as much as I'm hopeful and I also... Um, love many of the things the PPC has done, especially on the local level. Um, I love that we had Max out there on the front lines on many issues, whereas we didn't, what, what appear, just show up for a few photo ops mostly, um, and it isn't really taking on the issues uh, to that level. I mean, he's definitely down, you know, making sure the milk cartel is held accountable, but I think there's a bigger problem in Canada than the milk cartel. And then there's so many other things. And even though I also like some, I like some of the ways that he puts Trudeau on the hot seat and it, it exposes that to the liberals in Canada. And so I guess I see positives there, but I see the negatives that you see. And this is my true feeling. And I also, have, I know enough to know that the rabbit hole goes way deeper than Ottawa. And it definitely goes deeper than just the Trudeau administration. They're just a clown show. It's almost laughable, right? It's almost too easy. That's what makes me go, hmm, right? And then again- yeah then we're back to what everybody would be asking well what the hell do we do then because we tried peaceful protesting we, we galvanized the largest peaceful protest in canadian history if not human history and look what happened and look where we are even though i think the optics of that really helped wake people up it gave people hope in a very very dark time and i think there was useful utility to it but since then because of the I guess because of the despair that set in with people when they saw what they looked at as a failure, um, it, it's really just, you know, balkanized people even more and divided people even more. And so here we are just fighting amongst each other while whoever is pulling the puppet strings of our elites, as you're showing these public private partnerships that go all the way to Davos and all these other places, uh, they're taking it all the way to the bank. And we're sitting here ripping each other apart while our country is literally being dissolved in front of our eyes and we don't have a strong enough opposition. And I've often made the case to conservatives that are just saying, I'm just voting for Pierre because he's the lesser of two evils. I just say, well, let's just say that Pierre is a well-meaning guy and he's going in to do his best and he's just trying to play the political game and he's trying to cover his ass, but he, he, he knows what we're talking about and he's going to make some change. Do you honestly think he's going to be able to keep the entire conservative party in line? Do you think he's got the ability to 
um, actually make the change in that party and let alone the country and withstand the barrage that's going to come his way. Well, given what we've seen, I don't think that's possible. And then you got what Max, <laughs> who, like you said, legit, he can't, hasn't even got a single seat, doesn't even have a voice really. Um, and I know there's counters to that, but I guess sitting here, I sit back and ask the same question, Wayne, well, what the hell do we do then? So what do you think about that? Well, you know, and, and, and you keyed in on a, on a key term there, keep the party in line. And this is exactly where we're at. Max and the PPC is because the conservatives couldn't keep the party in line. And the party in line is about party values, goals, objectives, and agendas, not Canadians. And this mm. is inherently the problem. And we've strayed so far from what is representing the Canadians to what is representing the parties. And when the party's uh, uh, rule takes precedent over the needs of Canadians, um, this is where we have uh, a deviation from any direction that leads towards remedy or, or resolution. And this brings up you know, where, uh, you know, the case in point about, about, about that and the party in, being in alignment um, versus being Canadian and with conservative values being first and foremost, uh, there's a, a shining example of this. And in, 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 uh, I was really seeking to, to help people understand this private public-private partnership uh, fascism that actually runs Canada. So a uh, case in point on that was Leslin Lewis's petition, E4623, um, which really showed us some comparable metrics. Uh, the petition by uh, uh, Michelle Ferrari got 400,000 signatures in 30 days to remove one globalist, but we couldn't get more than 90,000 signatures to remove all of the globalists, mm. right? So this shows me the disparity in the actual awareness of where Canadians are at. So I took part in a six-part uh, international panel discussion with people from all over the world to compare notes on what is happening in their countries and where it all comes from with the understanding that every single metric of suffering and abuse in Canada all stems from exactly the same sources, the unelected unholy alliances with these nonprofit non-governmental organizations in faraway unelected lands that are all involved in these public-private partnerships with all of our governments, all of our agencies, all of our institutions. They are all in these partnerships in order to live up to their DEI, ESG, uh, social credit system that they're foistering upon us. And uh, whether they're there in, in the political space um, as, you know, to obfuscate or to actually represent is where we need to come to a, a, a greater understanding of, uh, of, of what these people and who they actually represent. And to me, anybody that puts, I'm an Indo-Canadian, I'm Chinese-Canadian, I'm Russian-Canadian, I'm conservative-Canadian, you're off the hook because you have told me right there that you are not Canadian first, and this must be a Canadian solution if there ever is to be a solution uh, because this is uh, affects all of us. And the defining discussion in our time will be informed consent, and nobody in Canada actually got informed consent about any of the treaties, agreements, compacts that we were signed into. Just brilliant. We need to talk more, Wayne. I love it. Um, and so 
if we were to think, and I love what you were saying there, all this identification with, I am a part of this group and that group. And then of course we know the narrative it's going around all over the world. Uh, what marginalized victim group are you a part of? You know, <laughs> what are your pronouns? What are your flags in your bio? What are your, and you're like, and then I see, and then we sit here in the sort of alternative space going, ha look at the mainstream normies. They're all fighting against each other and they're divided because of the propaganda. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, it's the same shit in behind the behind the shield wall. They're all, like, jockeying, oh they're all jockeying for that little bit extra that yeah. they're going to get. If they are this, that, or the other, they're going to get a little bit extra. And that's what everybody's jockeying over instead of holding fast to what does Canada need? What are the, what will solve Canada's problems? And uh, Brussels, Davos, and Geneva will never solve Canada's problems. But yet every law and uh, uh, policy that has been rewriting the social construct of Canada for the last 30 years, none of it originates in Canada based on Canadian needs. That's right. That's right. And maybe you know, we can get into that a little bit more because I'm always fascinated by this. I've done my own research on what we'd call the globalist cartel and, and how old it is and how widespread it is. And I personally believe it goes well beyond these sort of public face groups like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations. I believe there's something even bigger there. But regardless of that, uh, you're so right that there has been the this, we, we call it technocracy now, we call it you know, everybody's like arguing even over what the new system is going to be. Is it going to be a communist system? Is it going to be a fascist system? Is it going to be this system? And I'm like, look, they took notes from all of the other experiments they've done throughout the 20th century and history, and they put it all together and they took the best of all of them and made the new, this is the new great reset world order system. It's going to have a flavor of this and a flavor of that for different demographics, because now they need to do this for the entire world. And so, you know, maybe help some of those Canadians out there who are listening to this right now, who have just started to wake up to the fact that they've been lied to by their government, lied to by their media. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was, I don't know, who knows, whatever it is that woke them up and they're trying to get a handle on you know, who's doing this. Why are they doing this? How are they doing this? How did Canada get hijacked? Right. Maybe get into a little bit of that history from your perspective. Well, it's it's what we're in. And this is one of the things I think that makes it hard for people to understand. People can point at, at, at Germany and in World War Two and say that was fascism. Um, they can point at, you know, Russia and say uh, that was or, pardon me. I have to correct that. They can point at the USSR and say mm -hmm. that was communism. And uh, what we're actually seeing is kind of this evolutionary hybrid where communism and Marxism has been leveraged and used by to implement fascism. Um, and, and by literally by definition, and this comes down to that public private partnership uh, you know, uh, discussion, um, we're dealing on a daily basis with Marxism but they are the useful idiots to the implementation of the actual fascism. It is the mm. uh, Marxism that keeps the public in, you know, in fear and uh, in hiding and in silence while behind their backs um, we are implementing the, the fascism. And, and what is that? It is literally the partnership between the government and commerce, industry, business, and that is absolutely a guaranteed path to fascism because the government dictates then how this company can make money. 
in a free market society, that comp company will live or die based on products and service that, the, that the, the, the population accepts or rejects. When the government comes into play and takes a partnership with these companies and corporations, they determine what the marketing and the business of that company will be and will be successful. They will eliminate competition and let these guys uh, make the money because they're in a partnership with them until they uh, decide they are going to tell the company how to run, what they're going to build, what they're going to say. And this is literally the relationship that has captured our entire nation um, because everything has been been turned into a corporation. Our police are, are a corporation. Our courts are a corporation. Our parties are corporations. And this breaks down right down to the municipal levels that has allowed even the municipal levels to take on these public-private partnerships that have superseded any voice of the people um, and answer to the government's relationship with the corporations. So this is where we see them uh, literally operating completely outside of the will of the people. Um, and thanks to the little child case in 1992, there is no recourse to an elected official not doing what they were elected to do. So um, this Canada has been trapped into this situation. Um, this goes back many decades uh, in, in we can't, um, point at Justin and say he was the bad guy. Um, he's not a good guy, but he is only the current bad guy in that same revolving seat that's been captured. It's the seat that has been captured, and these guys are only merely taking turns in it, and when they get a turn in it, they get the purse strings to continue filling the to-do list of these uh, unelected foreign entities through their public-private partnerships. And, and this goes back to the 90s where these public-private partnerships started to implement themselves directly into our provinces. Uh, people think that Trudeau is the uh, is is the the solution or the one to blame for these guys. No, every corporation, our provincial corporations, our municipal corporations, they're the ones that are signed on to these agreements, not just Trudeau. So removing Trudeau, uh, replacing him with Pierre, or replacing Pierre with with Max doesn't change a single thing as to how this structure has already captured Canada. And I mean, we can go into the origination of these public-private partnerships and, and what they represent from the global scale. Um, most of them, you know, we, we take a look at our at our government. We've got, you know, the political wing. We've got the financial sector. We've got the health sector. We've got the military sector. The United Nations is the same thing. They have the policymakers. They have NATO for the military. They have the IMF for the banking. They have the WHO for our health. So they have just taken and set themselves above the whole planet to implement their ideology of the same systems and uh, captured through individuals to implement them in, in, in our nations. So these people at the highest levels would never be electable in our nations because they have absolutely no interest in our nations. They only serve that one rules-based global order that they feel supersedes every nation's rights or uh, beliefs, values. Uh, you know, and this is, you know, to put it Plainly, this is where we have the EU now telling Americans that uh, what they can and cannot say. Well, America has the First Amendment of free speech. Who supersedes that in America? What authority does the EU or Davos have to come and tell Americans that they can or cannot speak? That is a perfect example of where this overreaching 
uh, international order thinks that they can control nations. And in Canada, if we don't, and this I got directly from a federal politician, if we don't say no loud enough, that means yes. So they rule through implied consent. So this is where the convoy in 2022 had them so mortified because Canadians, for once, were saying no loud enough, but we weren't saying no in a sustained fashion to the actual core of the cancer, right? I mean, yes, it was saying no to very important and valid fights, uh, but that was just the beginning. And, and had we sustained that, uh, I think we'd be in a different situation now. Excellent breakdown. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I guess this helps us get to the level of trying to redefine what the word government means today versus what maybe we were taught about in civics class. Like government of the old days was supposed to be, you know, representatives selected from amongst the people to speak for the people in parliament. And you get to have a vote. And if you don't like them, you vote them out and all this kind of stuff. Whereas today, our government to me is just a circus that's a face representing this public partnership, you know, neo-technocratic, fascist, whatever, conglomerate that is really running behind the scenes, which means that when we say government today, we got to bring in big tech. We got to bring in, um, you know, the big pharma. We just look what we just went through with COVID and how that was just such a, a stark example of how this works. And I think people, a lot of people woke up during that when they saw the WHO come in and all the medical representatives basically move the government officials aside and say, we're the new sheriffs in town. This is the rules. Your constitution doesn't mean anything. And, and people are like, what? Well, that's only one branch of the tree. There's so many other areas where that exact same dynamic is happening. And that was the crash course of how the new world government system officially will be set up in every area of your life. And I don't think people are seeing that bigger picture. So I guess when we say government and we have these conversations, people are like, what about the, it's like the government is corrupt. What do we do? It's like, well, and then the left is saying, well, it's the corporations. And you're like, yeah, you're not necessarily wrong there either. But the bigger picture is beyond left and right. It's, we have a common enemy that is, is seeking to completely destroy any concept of you having a legitimate voice or say, or the rights to your own speech or thinking or property or any of these things. Uh, this is it's you'll own nothing and be a slave, you know, and they don't understand how big that goes. So what do you think about that sort of idea of how people like us doing media uh, and trying to put out the information, how we have to upgrade our language to educate people? Hey, when we're talking government, we're not just talking about some puppets on strings in in Ottawa. Like it's way bigger than that now. It's way more complex. Well, you, you know, the, this this. uh you, it's a very good point, and it's improving our language. Uh, you know, uh, we're 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 basically Pee Wee uh, League playing in the big league uh, arena by the big league rules. We don't get to make and set the rules, and if we want to make it to the big league, we have to expand our language that we use and that we have access to because they are shrinking what we are allowed to use. So this is, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, a testament to, to the evolution and the fortitude of Canadians and continuing to occupy this space evolving it and now i think we're actually dominating it um in in a lot of cases uh you know 
in spite of all of these censorship and abuse, and I could write the, the how-to manual on how to uh, get censored in Canada, uh, but I still typically get you know half of the engagement of our $3 billion broadcasting agency. So um, I think that there's a, you know, a, a significant testament that has to be given to the people that are going out of their way to find the information that they need because they're just not buying it anymore. Uh, and it's up to us to, to maintain that that evolutionary scale that we're upon. I, you know, when I look back at some of the work that I did five years ago, I go, oh my God, was that really me? You know, did I really say that? Uh, you I think know, we but, all do. Normal. <laughs> But you know this 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 is where we're at. I, I think is is now we've got a, people that are starting to to be able to articulate, and this this we really saw uh, through the the COVID resistance, people understanding and being able to ar articulate what they were uh, not just seeing, but the problems and uh, looking at other things. And and thanks to these guys, I think they've uh, created the most educated society in our history. Yeah. No, exactly. And we do have access. That's the thing. I mean, thank goodness we can still, even though there's the censorship, the shadow banning and all that going on. And, and now, you know, the government of Canada wants to even censor mainstream media for average Canadians. W even with that, you know, shows like yours, shows like mine, others, you know, Dan Dix and some of these other guys, alternative people from all, and even PPCers and all and conservative, everybody's got a voice on these alternative platforms. We're getting more uh, traction on platforms like X now. Thank goodness for that. And so we do still have a voice. How can we do a better job? What do you think like in terms of, you know, people like myself, independent podcasters, um, how can we do a better job of trying to expand our reach, especially within Canada? I feel like I get more views from my good friends in the States or Australia or Europe than I do Canadians. And it's kind of interesting. I walk around There's many Canadians. I've been doing this since 2008 and there's many Canadians don't even know who I am. And I'm sure you get the same thing and you're like, what's going on? And I'm sure there's been shadow banning censorship and all of that. But what do you think we can do as independent media producers to up our game? Because I feel like things are just going to intensify and media that's centered around trying to get truth to people is needed now more than ever. Well, you know, there's, this is where it's a, it's an evolving battlefield and make no mistake, this is a battlefield and this is, you know, soft warfare. It's not static warfare, but it is absolutely warfare. We're in, in, in an information war and there's a, a, a genocide going on in that space. Stefan Molyneux, one of the first victims of it, uh, described it exactly as such when uh, people will accept the genocide of people in that digital avatar space they will accept genocide in reality and i think that i think that's exactly what we're we're seeing play out through the uh, <laughs> the bioweapons program that uh, has been initiated um only in the western world primarily uh you know yeah. just to take notice of that uh but all of the afflictions that that we've got in the western world with with the problems that we face and um, they all again stem from the same place and, and we're starting to see through the work that you people like yourself are doing for so long and myself that people are starting to understand that 
although it might look that what they're facing look like what they're facing is a little bit different it's not somebody else has either been through that or is about to go through that because everything that is befalling our nations is running in 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 a parallel uh you're either just slightly further ahead or slightly further behind and this is what we're really starting to see so what that allows is it allows more focused discussion uh a, a narrowed scope of language to address certain subject matters you know uh a good testament to that is this global pandemic treaty uh, two years ago. Uh, nobody had ever even heard about it within six or eight months. Once the world and people like us got a hold of it and understood what they were doing, they failed in their first attempt at it because we, the people, intervened. Now they're trying to make another kick at the cat very desperately in that. But we are, you know, uh, you know, as a collective species i guess uh we are hunting down the truth and we are no longer five miles away from chasing the scent uh we're you know a day or two behind uh chasing that scent so this this time frame of two years from conspiracy theory to conspiracy fact is down to like two to three days in most yeah. cases um so i you know i don't know other than you know, getting more uh, you know collaborative, uh, that's something we could do a whole lot better of, and and I understand that issue as well. You know, we're all infants in this space, and we're struggling for survival. Um, Canadian media is not like American media, where they tolerate and expect, and it's a standard operating thing to be uh, commercials, advertising, and marketing. Canadians don't want to accept that. So uh, we still see this disparity in the Canadian independent media, where they're looking for the thing that will make them, uh, you know, the popular news content of the day, uh, you know, instead of necessarily what might be the best story to run that day, they're looking for the one that will Will get them the most views that day uh that kind of thing so understanding that when we're what we're up against is this media mercenary system is that you know seven o'clock every morning this ping goes out and every agency in the country broadcasts the exact same thing and 11 o'clock in the morning the same thing it pings out and every agency uh, uh in the country uh broadcasts the same thing five o'clock eleven o'clock exactly the same thing whereas for us, we have to skip around the country to find things that are relevant for that particular news cycle because we're all chasing different things and every one of them is absolutely relevant, but it doesn't counter that mass barrage as effectively as it could. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're light years ahead of where we were a couple of years ago, but there's yeah. still a long way to go. Yeah, no, it's, it's good points, especially with the collaborative nature of it. And you know, trying to do our best to get the message past a lot of this algorithmic control. That's always been the challenge. We're sort of fighting uphill, getting shot in all directions, but Hey, it just makes us stronger, man. I think that's part of the process. You know, if you don't have a good sense of humor about it, you're not going to survive this work. That's for sure. I look at the effect of even just some memes, some simple memes that were created during uh, so many of these things going on, how, how successful they were. And uh, there's even metrics being posted. I think even Musk was just posting one. And I've, I've seen so many in Canada where the media numbers are down. They're dying. There, some people are saying, you know, it, they're completely dead within the next year or two. And people are going to alternative source. Look at, you know, what did I, I saw the last count of the Putin uh, interview with Tucker Carlson was over like close to 70 million views. It's probably more than that already. And that's an independent journalist that was fired from Fox News that did this interview, uh, the mainstream media, I think Fox News on its best day 
can't even get past 2 million views and they're <laughs> dropping. And then in Canada, it's phenomenally worse. Like CTV news, I, I have family that used to work in there. Um, they left <laughs> after all the lockdown stuff, but, uh, and I've been keeping my finger on the pulse CBC, they can't really compete in the open market anymore. Um, people that are just broadcasting from their basements are getting more views in an hour than the average CTV news broadcast these days. So, you know, that, that is not how it was five years ago. It's changed. You know what I mean? So that's a good thing. Tucker's best shows on, on Fox when he was there would uh, get somewhere between four and 6 million views. Well, I checked here a little while ago at 12 hour mark for his, uh, interview yesterday was over 140 million and that's only oh the views God. off of his platforms uh we streamed it uh, we got tens of thousands of views as well how many others did right mm -hmm. uh so you know to say suggest that this would be at a, a you know uh 250 million views by by an hour sometime today is not a stretch by any imagination um and 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 i knew this yesterday already that this was going to set historic viewing records that all of the main mainstream media combined wouldn't be able to touch and, and the interesting part of it is, is it's not because it's not because uh this was such a fascinating conversation it was because it was a forbidden conversation right. yeah that is right. what is driving it and that's why i supported it because i'm like Look, everybody gets all into the weeds about, oh, Tucker's CIA and Putin easy. And I'm like, just settle down, okay? Look at the big picture. <laughs> what we have to fight against is this media industrial complex. That is the poison in the grass right now, okay? And when we see that evidence of somebody going independent and hitting that, and I mean, I've even had cases where when I had TikTok accounts before they banned me there, I was breaking down things like all the different international laws and the local laws of Canada that were being broken during the lockdowns. And I just did a video. It was like a, a quick little video of me just breaking it down right out of the out of the legal stuff. And I think I hit over 5 million views on TikTok with that video. Didn't expect that. And then it got removed and I got banned and everything else. And it, so you get little windows of what's it like to have free speech? What's it like to have even a glimmer of having the removal of this this big tech censorship campaign, what does it look like to have free floating information? And we're getting closer and closer and people are craving it. They're turning away from the mainstream because they don't see authenticity there. They don't see truth there. They don't respect it. They don't trust it. And they're listening to people like us. who are just sitting here in a, you know, just chatting about it openly and freely without any kind of editing or censorship. And, you know, they, they like that because it resonates because it's more authentic. It doesn't mean everything we say is top shelf. It's just people want something real, which shows that people have had enough of it. They don't necessarily know why they don't know the whole story, like what you've broken down, but there's a sense of it that they're definitely feeling. And I think that's just going to keep growing as time moves on. hundred percent. You know, uh, the, the, there's some major differences when you and I do this, we're not going to the world and saying, we are right. We own the truth. Believe us or else. Right. We are out here saying, I hope I'm not right. Please dig into this. And if you get more information, please let me know. But this is what we think is going on. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I was doing that with uh, an iPhone 7 and a $500, uh, uh, you know, secondhand laptop for five years, getting millions of views against a $3 billion machine in the CBC, and they can't compete. Amazing. And they're funded by the government. 
That's what's <laughs> well, they're funded by us. Yeah, you know, yeah that's, I should say that. That's correct. Thank you for correcting me on that. The government doesn't make its own money, guys. They don't have their own money. They don't. They don't anything. It's your money, just so you know. So we are funding it, and then they turn the comment sections off because of feelings. And it's like, no, they, this is censorship. This is horrible. And people see that and they're like, okay. And when they started really turning off all the comment sections during 2020, I went, you guys are done you, you, because people are just roasting you. And it's only gotten worse. If CBC dared to turn the comment sections on today, it would be an absolute annihilation. Just go follow Trudeau's account on X. He just gets roasted no matter what. He could come out and say, I went to see a fashion show today or I went to see a movie with my kids and he's just getting destroyed. People keep, they've had enough, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you've got Justin's son at the UFC event posting a video of the crowd screaming, fuck his dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's real world. Wow, you know? yeah. Uh, in, in, it's uh, there's there's such a, a disparity in in that and uh, and they the so-called legacy media has so jumped the shark uh, beyond any measure uh, that that there's there's there is no hope to rebuild that. So for me, uh, I started seeing that in, in 2019 through that process. And when I launched, uh, uh, when I fired all of my clients and launched my platform, I inherently knew at the time, and I, and I've said this to people, I said, you know, this legacy media machine is going to die. It has no choice because insanity is unsustainable. And when that day comes, What's up Canada will be in that space because we cannot afford to have an open vacuum. Um, and at, at that time, I had no idea there would be so many of us, you know, five years later. But it was something that, that, I, that I knew, recognized and, and uh, inherently started to, to build my platform based on just that expectation of that insanity is unsustainable so someday and uh, i got my vindication on that on the day of the uh toronto uh, mayoral election that was when uh, the media platforms the googles and facebook were first testing out the no news in canada so i was in toronto covering the election and i uh, synchronized this mass uh, live stream between uh, i don't know seven or eight of us all you know piggybacking our, our our streams out to the world and you know we were number one on apple news worldwide that night oh my god well done <laughs> well done that was the first crack that i saw that i was right i knew mm. in that moment and i don't tell people or share this story often because it's not a victory it was just a vindication Hmm. I like it. Yeah. And, it, and to me, that is a victory, but you know, let's just think, I, and as you're talking, this is definitely one of the solutions is what we're doing. Just using the voice. Right. And it's funny. I just want to quickly say something. I noticed, uh, one of your listeners, Lori, I think was asking, I've never heard of this DW guy before. What do you stand for? <laughs> I'll make it really quick. I stand for truth, freedom, and justice. Okay. We'll start there. And I definitely want to save this country. Lori, this is me fanboying a little bit because I've been following David since before I started. Really? No way. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I feel horrible that I'm new to your work, Wayne. I feel I've probably seen your videos, but I feel horrible that I just found you. So hey, better <laughs> no. late than never. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very patient. I I, I know uh, those that are meant to, to be here when that when the time comes will be the ones leading the space, and you'll be among them. So, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, you know, like people were asking me, well, when Tucker was was here in, in Alberta, were you going to go see Tucker? And I said, no, I'll get a chance to talk to him yet. 
<laughs> you will, you will, you will. And it's good that you do. And so I guess one thing that came to my mind before this show was um, a conversation I had with a Canadian veteran and I'm talking a veteran from World War II and his whole family was, you know, military in Canada. And I was on a chat with Veterans for Freedom. Shout out to Veterans for Freedom. And this gentleman, basically, I, I was trying not to cr like break down in tears when he was asking me this question, where this very intelligent, very kind, elderly Canadian war veteran was asking me, because I was just doing a presentation for them on my Cult of the Medics documentary series and he just looks at me with tears in his eyes and he says what do you think we should do this is him asking me what we should do and i'm sitting there going wow like i looked up to you guys i grew up i have both sides of my family veterans you know and i was sitting there going i used to go to you guys for counsel asking you guys what we should you know like and you're asking me and i don't know i don't have an answer all i can do is say my contribution is the best that can be is just what can you do as an individual to empower yourself and seek the truth. And we got to fight. I don't have the answer, but to just see that that's the state of affairs. That's the state of affairs, guys. People that were the salt of the earth, born and raised. I, I even had conversations with some of these brilliant truckers. I was out here in BC going to the ledge every weekend. I didn't get down to Ottawa, but the whole country was up for this. Right. And I would sit there and speak to people who've immigrated from Russia who've lived here a long time. We were trying to say, Canadians, you got to wake the hell up. This shit's happening here. And being talking to all these different people and they kept coming up to me, Wayne. They probably do to you too. What do we do? What do we do? And it's just the response. I, I don't have that ability to just say, this is what we can do. But like, what do I say to those veterans? What do you say? What would you say? Like what, aside from just about the media, how do you have that conversation with people? My heart sinks when that happens. Because I am just a, a northern Alberta swamp donkey that just wouldn't say wouldn't take the abuse. I am no leader. I you know if you're following me, looking to me for solutions, we're foobard, man. We're seriously foobard. If if you're expecting me to come up with the solutions, that is that <laughs> we're done. <laughs> you know, yeah. do not put me on that pedestal because that is not. That is not anything that we can do. This is going to take a collective solution. This took a collective, uh, you know, society to get us here. There is no one person that's going to come and save us. We do not live in a Marvel comic book universe, and this is where we have to, you know, maintain our humanity and uh, you know step away from this tribalism, this cultism. That if you're not with me, you must be the enemy. Uh, if you don't yeah. put on my pom poms, then you are the enemy. Uh, this this is you know I, I grew up in a Canada where you could agree to disagree on anything and go and have a beer you know yeah. uh, but that is no longer acceptable and this is where we have to to you know uh, for me I, I when people say to me oh you're a hero or you're this I'm like no 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 that is so wrong you are putting me on a pedestal I don't deserve and I am not capable of fulfilling that is you are setting yourself up for unfair or you know disappointment because yeah. i am not that guy and if we are that desperate as a society that we are living in fear look guys the only thing that i do that's different is i live free i don't bend i don't shut up and i don't take labels that's freedom
That's and I won't stop doing that. When we censor ourselves, we become an accomplice to the enemy. When we refuse to act on what we know is right and choose to do what is easy, we come and become an accomplice to the problem, to the situation. So this is why I can only be responsible for me. I can only I will never ever tell anybody what to do. I'll only tell them what I am doing and I am living free, whether it's you know working with some of the the the, the sponsors that I have, it's because they have the same beliefs and and, and moral and ethical values. Um, it's it's that's really what it is. That's what they can't stand. Uh, if we are living free and not cowering, that's when we're the problem. And that's why Ottawa was the problem for them. Because they depend on keeping us isolated, demoralized, ignorant, and then compliant. And then mm -hmm. they will offer us a small window of safety that we perceive as safety. So it's, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, you want somebody to, to move to the left, you drop an artillery shell to the right. And this is exactly how they've been steering our society. I got to clip that part out. That was epic. You got me there, man. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And I feel the same way. And maybe that's the answer is at least that's the start of what I asked about solutions is to, we don't know yet. We're, we're close. We're getting closer. It is not all lost. It, this is my number one message. Avoid the spirit of despair during these times. Develop the fortitude of a warrior during these times. This is the times you were born for. And it looks dark because it's something bigger than all of us motivating us to reach for that next level of what we can achieve. And you need to combat great evil and great challenge in order to grow to the next level. And so if you take it as an individual first and say, all right, I don't know about voting and who's this and who's good and who's bad. Maybe I'll just put that discussion aside for a minute and just think, what can I do in my capacity? Doesn't mean everybody listening needs to start a media platform or, you know, get involved in uh, running for politics or doing whatever. It just means what can you do to embody of what you were just saying, that spirit that says, I am who I am free. I am me. I'm not going to get pushed around. I'm not going to worry about the media always attacking people and calling me like far right, you know, domestic terrorism, just because I believe in something called freedom. Um, I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to censor myself. See, cause it's easy for us to complain that we're being censored by others, but what is a greater crime? that the CBC and the media are censoring us or Facebook is censoring you or that we self-censor because why? Because we're afraid that our tribe, our pom-pom team is going to somehow turn on us because we have an alternative opinion. And that's what I saw in your video. I was like, this guy's hitting it because I'm listening to all these voices and they're all just like turning into these gossipy like church ladies or something that are just like, they said this and they're like that and that's the grip. And I'm like, no, you're not getting it. And then you came out and just said, I am Canadian. Fuck everything else. Let's focus on freedom. And maybe that's just the spirit we need right now. It's about personal responsibility. Nobody wants to accept all of the personal responsibility. We want somebody else to accept the responsibility because they did something wrong. Well, no, at the end of the day, I'm ashamed of being a Canadian because I did not, I was not on watch. I was not standing on guard for thee. And I am a person who is partly responsible for the, the situation that we are in. And if I self-censor, then I am accomplice to that situation that we are in. And I'm abdicating my 
responsibility. If I have an important piece of information and I am not paying that forward because I'm afraid, I am abdicating my personal responsibility. And if we don't assume personal responsibilities for the environment that we're a part of, we can expect no remedy. Mm. Yeah, that's when you're going to own nothing and be miserable. Because 100%. Oh, the first thing you need to own, the first property that you need to declare as yours and none other is your body, your mind, your soul. You start there. You start with yourself and say, this is the line, mofos, here and no further. Like that's your that's your vibe. But then, you know, take it to that next level and speak the truth as you see it. And I like how uh, even Jordan Peterson puts it where he's like, you might not know the truth, but at least don't lie. Like when you say speak the truth, it just means don't lie. And be honest about where you're at. I, I called my show Truth Warrior, not because, like you were saying, I'm the arbiter of truth and I know everything and I have all the answers. I'm clearly not. Um, it's that that's the that's the archetype that we're calling into this right now. Is this is what we want? The truth warrior is the one that is seeking the truth, even though they're getting arrows shot at them in all directions, even though they're getting shouted down by their family and their friends and people who are just following along and not thinking for themselves, and even though they're under attack from this big mega conglomerate technocracy that's trying to censor any dissonant voices. You must go forward despite that. And if we had more of that spirit, we would not, as you said, be in this situation. Um, it's almost like we set ourselves up with a certain mindset that, oh, well, if we just get the right guy to manage all that stuff in parliament over there, and a few of those, you know, that 338, you know, someone in there has got to know what they're doing. We'll just let that go. And we'll go to the parties and go to the Taylor Swift concerts and not worry about it when lo and behold, here we are. And clearly that was a horrible mindset. And so, you know, we got to switch that up. You could put it this way. You know, if I owned a giant corporation and I had 338 executives running my corporation, do you think anybody in Ottawa would be one of those people running my corporation? Not a freaking chance. Every one of them is unfit for office because they have sold me out. Yeah. Right. And this is how we need to be approaching our governments is not what you were squabbling with, with uh, Justin over. What are you going to do for Canadians? Not what are you going to do for the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, Ukraine, or anybody else. And that is our responsibility to hold them to that. That's right. That's right. And like you said, man, the personal responsibility bit, I bring this up so much. Just that alone, personal responsibility, it's the cornerstone of the very concept of the individual, of Western civilization, of freedom. You can't have a free society without it. And so this is where I feel like if we can teach this to our children, maybe that's the target now for us is, okay, a lot, we can't change the old in a lot of ways, but the children are the ones being indoctrinated on every social media platform, in school, their friend circles. The system is trying to pull them in. And so I've been saying, you know, save the children. And I mean, that means a lot more than, than one way, right? And the number one way is to teach them this personal responsibility. And when you teach them that, you're also teaching them about the innate power that they have. And I think that that is where you bring, you know, the conversation to people is let's try to influence the younger generations with this idea again, because otherwise, if you just leave your hand off the wheel, it's not going to be long before your child is against you and now they're just another cog in the machine.
you know, the, the children see this and they see us trying to dance around the reality of it. And it, this, here's the reality. Uh, Pierre, I am hiring you to save my house. And if you don't save my house, it's your fault because I don't want to do anything to save my house. Mm. And the kids see this. So how are they to have faith that we are doing anything responsible and why should they listen to us then? Right, right. No, it's true. And I guess then, would you agree then, Wayne, because I've been thinking about this. I've always kept the door open for political solutions to an extent, right? Because we can have outliers come in. I do believe there are people within levels of government, intelligence, military, corporate, like as humans at any point can wake up in any, any place. And I believe there are good people trying their best to help us, but we can't live with that motto of waiting for saviors. I'm not into that at all either. Um, but maybe the solution to start with is thinking more grassroots, local, like if we were to think in a social setting, like what can, what can we do practically? Um, would you say, well, let's get local, let's get, uh, you know, maybe into more of the local offices and like, cause the federal government situation is just a tangled knot that we can't untie fast enough. So, you know, but do you do, do you leave a door at all open for any kind of political solutions or, or what do you see with that? We're always going to need management systems. We're, we're going to right. need team people to do that. I can't manage a waste disposal system in a, in a city. Uh, can you? Uh, so we're right. still going to need people to do these kinds of things, but there has to be a measure of accountability uh, towards that. And this is, this is where our system is designed to uh, work on a social construct that has a moral and ethical uh, character to it. And they're implementing and overriding our systems with none of those things. So our current system, the farther we stray from its in inception and, and its uh, foundation of creation, the less functional it's going to be. So, uh, when I travel around and I do speaking engagements, some of the things that I encourage people to understand is, is that no matter where we are, we're a direct result. We're there as a direct result of the choices we made along the way. Mm. And that may not be entirely ours. This ball was dropped in my great, great grandparents day. Um, but this is now our burden to bear, to carry. And I ask people, it might seem tough and scary now. Do you think it's going to be any less scary or less tough five years from now? Right. And if you say no to that, then you have to start having a strategy and a plan. What are we going to do about it? Um, so for me, it's a, I go by the rule of fives. If it's not going to, going to uh, make a difference in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months, five years, that puts it on the scale of priority as to where my energies are going to go. But understanding where that energy is going to be effective and understanding where the infiltration is at every one of our municipalities is signed on to these strong mayors programs, for example, which is literally swearing an oath to an unelected foreign coven to supersede whatever your municipality wants in be, uh, in favor of what they implement, which is the 15-minute city bylaws zoning, little increments of things yeah. like that that they implement under their, their powers. So this is a direct intervention, and that intervention has to happen at the municipal level simply because Everything comes from above all the way from Geneva and gets trickled down to the municipal level. The government's 
suggest, the federal governments suggest, and then it's up to the, the provincial and the municipal governments to implement. All of the implementation happens at the municipal and the corporate level. And so this is our access point. This is where we can open the door to the mall, per se, and we can start clearing out those stores, you know, just to use analogies, um, at the municipal level. So organizing ourselves, not just as a group of opposition to the government, organizing ourselves as a replacement for the government and uh, holding to account, uh, asking simple questions. We're moving into the world's largest election cycle. I think it's something like 45 or 47% of the world is this year going to be electing new governments. Mm. Instead of us asking which is the lesser of two evil, now is the time for us to be demanding of every candidate that seeks a seat at the government teat, asking them, what specifically are you going to do to decouple our municipality, our town, or whatever from these public-private partnerships that infringe upon our municipal rights and rules and laws? Because every one of them does infringe on that. And that back pressure um, eliminates the funding, eliminates the power of the public-private partnership at the local municipal level to put the pressure onto the, the people that have the say. You know, we could be out of this in one sentence. If we go back to uh, 2019 when Trudeau signed the Migration Compact and looked at the seven nations at the time that said, no, we're not signing that. All they said was, we disagree with, we're not going to sign this because this infringes on our national sovereignty or our national rights. That's it. One sentence over and done with, but they're getting so much wealth extraction out of us to fulfill these obligations. Every municipality has got lots of carrots. They're dangling. And we'll give you money for this, a new arena, a new skate park, new this, new that, new this and not questioning where that money origin comes from. These nudge groups and lobbyist groups and uh, uh, charities, they don't look, we don't ask the charity where do they get their money from. We don't ask the, the, the uh, non-governmental organization that is leaning on our town council to implement SOGI. Uh, we don't ask them where the money comes from. Uh, this is the intervention point. These are, I hope, some useful tips for, for helping people you know, understand. And this is what we have to start at the municipal level. Identify the public-private partnerships and get out. Hmm. And show up at those town halls and put these guys' feet to the fire every second. Record it. Put it on all the social media platforms. Let it go viral. <laughs> Keep this going, right? Emails have been one of the worst things for that possible. You can send 150,000 emails Nobody's going to notice them walking through the office and the secretary is going to go file 13. But that candidate walks through his office and there's 15 mailbags there. They're terrified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they show up to some of these speaking engagements or town halls and everybody's got their hand up with the same bloody question. Imagine that, right? Like, remember the impact of um, Dr. Roger Hodkinson? Man, this is, I can't believe how many things have happened in the last four, three or four years. It's crazy. But I remember back to the old days, 2020, Hodkinson phones in to, what is it, the Edmonton uh, Town Council. Council, and he's just like scorched earth on all the bullshit. And he's like, I'm an actual doctor. Here's what's going on. What, what are you going to do? 
and and just how viral that went imagine having that spirit in you and asking and even that beautiful clip of that one woman at one of the old trudeau town halls when she's like we used to hang traitors you know mr trudeau and you're like i know I it's a bit ready but just like it, the, the public pressure is incredible. And this also brings me to someone was saying here, I think it was Donna saying, control the food, control the people. Well, this made me think about what's going on with these farmers and how effective that is. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I've been hearing that some of these European countries have succeeded in overturning, at least temporarily, uh, some of these laws that are being levied against farmers because of the farmer uprisings. Um what do you think about that in terms of our, the farmers would be farmers, truckers, you know, this kind of industries would be really good for people to galvanize behind. Um, what do you think about where possibly Canada might be going when it comes to this? Uh, do you hear anything, any whispers of Canadian farmers in Canada and people supporting them in that regard? I I, I know that there's a, a reunion rally, I think, planned for later this month in, in, in Ottawa. Um, it's a, you know, this, I wish I could say that this was news to me, but I predicted this whole farmer issue the night of the Brexit countdown, um, because if you had studied the washroom's repeat cycle that these fascists are cycling us through, this has entirely been a manufactured destabilization, and they have managed to successfully uh, divide, conquer, wedge, and fractionalize us into so many little individual compartments that we enforce on their uh, on their behalf that we, they don't even have to. Um, that this was the 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 ultimate. Uh, agenda, and whether it's Pol Pot or uh, Stalin or or Mao, uh, that's the first thing that they did was they created uh, food shortages. Uh, the Holdemore, the, the same thing. We are going into a manufactured Holdemore, and it's exactly the same process. They are doing the exact same thing to us that they did to them back in the day. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that, so many people that I know from Romania, Poland, uh, Venezuela, <laughs> Cuba, Russia, man, I have so many friends from these places that have immigrated to Canada and are are talking exactly about that. And so, you know, for me, it's good to see that there's more of these things. A lot of people still feel like, oh, it's just for show and there's nothing there. And I mean, I get how people are really hopeless about it all. But I feel like it's important for us to sort of count the little wins along the way and um, just think about supporting local. Know where your food is coming from. Get in touch with local farmers and get it direct as much as possible. I know it's hard to do it all, but, um, you know, get off the, the teat of these big six corporations that literally run everything and try to get as independent as you possibly can to support the people that are producing food right in your backyard. They, they, they're telling us it's illegal to grow carrots in our backyard, but uh, BlackRock can own uh, every grocery store in our country. Uh, you know, this 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 whole mindset that, that we have of what is right and, and what is acceptable is completely inverted. You know, uh, and I am 100 percent about reestablishing our supply chain management to actually managing our own supply chain why is geneva managing our supply chain why are they exactly. have anything to say about how we grow and feed our population 
at all. They have absolutely no business saying anything or telling anybody how to grow the food to feed themselves. Um, and I don't believe that this is going to go well for them in Europe. Uh, I know that France is, you alluded to this, France had a, a alluded to removing half of the uh, uh you know the the uh, fertilizer quotas and and things uh, you know, half of their they're gonna back off by 50 percent no no i i don't think that's going to fly i think that uh in, in the netherlands and in germany the farmers have realized now whether they're going to be able to withstand the hordes of blue helmets that they're going to descend upon them or not i hope they do i pray that they do but at the end of the day they have seen this and experienced this before and you know it should be easy for people to understand how uh world war ii actually happened because of uh people choosing the lesser of the evils that's how we ended up in world war ii and the holocaust is people they were afraid of hitler so they didn't stop him and this is exactly what we're dealing with right now the this is literally the world economic forum fourth reich i actually use that as a hashtag on a regular basis Half, hashtag WEF Fourth Reich. Um, yeah. there, they, they, this was a plan that was implemented. It's documentable. There's evidence out there. This started in 1947 when the Nazis had already started penning out on paper their next attempt, their next conquest of the world was going to be done through an economic trades means. Then uh, the World Economic Forum was born and Klaus started getting giant checks. Um, so this is literally what we're up against is wash, rinse, repeat on history. So there's nothing novel about where, what we're experiencing. The only thing that's novel is the tools that they have used against us. They had to invent the internet and all of the things on it so that they could scale their fourth Reich to a global scale rather than just a European scale. Because if they only went to a European scale again, all that manufacturing in the other parts of the world might stop them again. So they had better harness and control all of that manufacturing. So from 1950 to now, they have made sure that we can manufacture almost nothing here anymore. And now they're going to make sure that we cannot even manufacture our own food. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is why this is so important what the farmers are doing and I support them and I hope to see more of it. Um, I love that the resistance, the one thing I'll say you know, about the truckers is that I love that the resistance came from people that they got better shit to do than go to some protests. Okay. These are just, it, when those people rise, I just what I say to all the people that are like, Oh, the trucker. I'm like, look, when those people go and freeze their ass off at minus 40 weather in Ottawa for extended periods of time and take the abuse that they did, Things are not well in Denmark, okay? There's a lot of issues going on and we should take note and listen to these people. And then even though the demonstrations are good for the optics uh, of helping the public get through it all, the real resistance has to be through the actions that we take. I think that's the new way to do it. As much as I would absolutely love to see a massive uh, resistance again or a peaceful protest, no violence, um, I, 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 would, I think that the real solutions are what you're saying, Wayne, is get local, uh, get on the ground, make active, practical steps towards dealing with this, hold these people's feet to the fire and keep getting the truth out. You know, like that's that's at least a good place to start. What do you think in terms of, uh, you know, as we wrap in the few minutes, what we might see 
uh, throughout the rest of this year in this regard? Any predictions, any feelings on what's coming down the pipe? And then any further comments about some things that people can do to help fight this war? Uh, 20, I, I think 2024 is going to be the defining year, whether humanity survives and thrives or we go the way of the matrix and become uh, hackable animals. Um, I uh, was in a very, I was listening to a discussion yesterday. I got a chance to meet, to discuss with them again today uh, with a bunch of high, 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 high achieving uh, special forces and intelligence analysts uh, around the world. One of the things that they brought up uh, and, and really resonated with me, and, and this is kind of where I come from. I was one of those guys just wanted to be left alone. I didn't really care about politics, but what I couldn't do is stand for injustice. And that's what got me involved in politics. And people that just want to be left alone typically just move and move and move and move out of the way until they are steamrolled. And then there is no saving them. And this is what we have to be careful of. We just want to be left alone to live in Canada. Um, but if we don't get organized as a resistance, all of these individuals, um, that's our conservative way is, you know, is to, to work as an individual. If we want to be successful, we work harder, we spend more money, we hire the people. We are not necessarily hive minded like those who oppose us that will steamroll us if we don't start figuring out. Uh, how to move forward. And, and you could, I guess, compare it to a, a, a fighting retreat. We know going that direction, we are never going to get to an adequate supply chain management system. So maybe we had better start building in another direction, i.e. locally, um, get a baseline of your community, what you have an abundance of and a shortage of, and start networking with neighboring communities. What do they have an abundance of and a shortfall of, and creating these kinds of alternatives, uh, you know, uh, fulfillments. Um, I work with an American manufacturing company because they can fulfill uh, a ton of things that ordinarily, it doesn't matter which box store I go into, it's made in China or owned by BlackRock. Well, guess what? China gets no more of my dollars and no longer do BlackRock because I found an alternative supply um, that has holds the same values, ethics, and morals as I do. So these are the kinds of things. And, and you know, everybody, unfortunately is looking for the silver bullet and there is no silver book bullet guys it look it took 90 years for the date of the treason to get us to where we're at now and uh it's not going to be over in five minutes you know i i'm incredibly encouraged by how far we've come in the last two years specifically uh but uh we're there there's still a lot more uh, a lot more suffering to come yet. Um, the manu the, these guys, what we're up against is a desperate, wounded beast. Um, they know that their days are numbered, and uh, wounded animals do horrible, stupid things. Um, and these these are some of the things that I I, I, I caution us uh, to be aware of, be village vigilant, uh, use discernment. Uh, you know, pay attention to to the things that they tell you no always make me the most curious. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker's interview yesterday with Vlad, uh, although there was, you know, no big uh, booms, every last bit of it was a vindication for things that I've been abused for saying over mm -hmm. the last four years. So understanding that and then take a look at, and I'm not telling anybody to believe Putin or Tucker, but look at all of the people that hate Putin and hate Tucker 
and think about that. That will give you a sense of discernment and start following your nose from there. And uh, look after your communities, but take responsibility of yourself first and then you, those around you. And uh, that's, uh, you know, ultimately how we win. And, and at the end of the day, God wins. And the sooner we get back to living a wiser, more discerning, less uh, accomplice lifestyle, uh, the sooner we're going to get to to that point. Uh, I heard uh, um, a little story you know, an analogy that was given, I guess, by Pastor Arthur uh, originally, that uh, God is shaking the fence. You're gonna not going to be able to sit on that fence much longer, and you're going to fall off of that fence. And uh, you might want to jump onto a side uh, rather than fall onto the wrong one. So I, I kind of like that analogy. <laughs> oh, well said. Well said. And way to wrap it up. Well, Wayne, what a pleasure this has been. Let's do this again sometime. And last question would be, let people know about your website, how they can support your work, where they connect with your show and any of the things you're doing and where the best social medias are to follow you. Uh, what's up Canada.org is, uh, you know, my headquarters. Uh, one of the things that I learned was if I, uh, uh build my stuff based in Switzerland, uh, where the laws say that if you're not breaking the law in Switzerland, they tell all of the alphabet agencies to go pound sand. Um, I have not had my website taken down since building in Switzerland, but that's where you'll find most of the stuff that I do, uh, you, typically on, on any of the other social media platforms. But I do have a bit of a pet project where I've been building a bit of a coalition of uh, folks that are doing things for the right reasons, where you can find a bunch of us in one place instead of surfing all over the internet for it. That's lgm.news, uh, where, where we're bringing together, you know, like-minded uh, Patriot broadcasters from, you know, multiple places, not just Canada. We don't just have a Canadian problem. Uh, this, this is the same infestation uh, in the entire free market democratic world. But uh, this is, you know, they, these are the things that we just have to keep building those alternatives to and uh, continuing to refuse to uh, censor myself. Uh, I, I will not be an accomplice. Self-censorship is an accomplice. So go forth, be strong, be brave. What are they going to do? Uh, really, what are they going to do to you? Um, you know, for sharing a link. Uh, if you're worried about your name getting on a list, sorry, if you're listening to me, you're already on that list. Uh, you're not going to be able to hide from anybody and still be in the digital space. So just be wary mm -hmm. and, and uh, go forth and live free and laugh at the clownery. Absolutely. That's amazing. I love it. Well, I'll put the link there for everybody to go and check it out. You can get all my stuff at dwtruthwarrior.com. And I greatly appreciate, you know, Wayne coming in and sharing this information. We'll do it again soon. And I want to thank everybody that showed up, no matter what platform, with your comments. If you could do me a favor, like the video, leave a comment, share it. If you've found value in it, it really helps us get the information out. Go check out Wayne's website and his uh, amazing show. And we'll catch everybody again real soon back here on Truth Warrior. Be well, everybody. Truth wins. Cheers. Amen.